0: The sound.
1: RPS. RPS. Hello and welcome to Line Noise. We've got another special one off episode for you, uh, and it's another returning guest, uh, Danny L. Hall, who we interviewed. Well, I interviewed couple of years ago at primavera sound um he's had an absolutely massive 2021 with hardcore and everything um and we got the chance to interview him when we were at the primavera weekender um it's for a show we call uh, the weekly review you can check out there there's a video of it as well uh, and it is with uh, johan wald and ma value Bail- Verdu Bail- Bail- excuse me um, i pronounced that terribly Enjoy uh, this sort of one-off. It was recorded live and in the pouring rain, um, but I think it's very charming indeed.
0: Welcome to the weekly review live or taping from Benidorm, where the Primavera Sound Weekender is taking place here in this wonderful Robin Hood magic camp. This is the show where two grown men try to make sense of a world in disarray by keeping up with pop culture with the help of a bright young mind. Today, ladies and gentlemen, we go hardcore, or should I say, hardcore.
2: I I was free.
0: That is right, ladies and gentlemen. We are taping here from this wonderful winter festival, and we have the man of... The Era. Danny L. Harl is with us here at The Weekly Review. Danny, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for what you're doing. You have, even us, Ben and I, we're of a different, we're of a certain age. And all right, Johan.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the medieval
0: age. <laughs> We're of the medieval age, you know. Uh, yes. all, our, all our pop cultural references don't really resonate with the young kids. We try to talk to them about uh, nah. indie music, yeah, yeah, shoegaze yeah, yeah. and stuff. They're like, what, what? But we understand hardcore. We're all on board. Um, Mar, take it away. What's your first question for Danny? You
3: <laughs> Okay, <laughs> throwing me under the bus. Okay, so... First of all, to me, Harlequin. Sorry if I'm butchering the name in English. um, Is the like the moment? The 2021 sounds like this, and it has never not sounded like this. Like, thank you for putting into words what I didn't know was happening in my head. To me, like, it made so much sense, and I was like, okay, now I know. Like, now it makes sense. Now I feel safe. I'm not the only one thinking this, whatever yeah whatever it is. But of course to me it references um, music from when I was little. Um, so like music He was m-
0: also little, that's the thing.
3: Yeah, so like the machina I music too. that yeah, you're I once little surprise. but yeah like Crazy Frog, all of this I I was so young um, it was the music that was happening but also like musica machina in and I guess uh, in other places in other forms. But um in that time it was like uh asso- associated with um young people who didn't know much what what they were doing with their life, maybe like a classist thing. Like I remember my mom think like not allowing me to listen to this music, like, oh, this is for people. I was like, like eight, mm-hmm. so oh. I was not good. Mm-hmm. but I I remember like Associating this music that was super fun, but at the same time with like, oh, that's music for people that I don't know—they they, they don't know—they don't know what they're doing with their life. It was kind of a negative thing. Mm-hmm. It was not something you would be proud to say. But now with your your music and everything you do, it's it's not this stigma of. I don't know, like
0: um, music f- to look down on. Yeah, yeah. exactly. The cultural baggage is gone.
3: Yeah, what what has shifted? Have you done something? Spe- uh, is it all you? your
0: fault that har- uh, <laughs> ha- happy hardcore and happy house is all of a sudden? I hope so. I a, hope a it's cool all thing. my
2: fault, but it's it's not really my fault. But first of all, thank you very much for saying that about uh, the the album. Um, I appreciate that a lot. And also, I know what you mean in terms of like associating it with certain sort of types of music that sometimes don't get taken very seriously. Mm-hmm. But and, the, and, the, and this is a thing that I've faced a lot in my career of like uh, people think that I that I that, it, that it's sort of like all a joke or something, when in fact, actually, I find a lot of music that is meant to be taken as a joke actually quite uh, mm-hmm. emotional to listen to like like the instrumental section in the hamster dance song. I'm not sure if you're aware of it, I, I but uh, yeah, it goes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then a harmony comes in and it's fucking sick. And I do a remix of it. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you. That was an exclusive for you. But, no, no, so that, stuff like that, I, I listen to that and I just think that is really good music that I like to listen to. And so I, I sort of do my own version of it for my live set. There's just something in just the sounds that I really like. And also, just like the instrumental sections in, say, a Venga Boys track, or in fact the instrumental to a Aqua track, or lots of like Eiffel sixty five and Italo dance, and of course, where I think a lot of this music comes from, the machina bacalao Ruta sort of traditions. So, like I think a lot of this stuff comes from, like legitimate sort of sources, and and has been, and, and then sort of like found its way into a kind of like. A, 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 a kind of like cultural world in in sort of European music, especially in the way it was seen from the UK as as a joke. When in fact it has quite serious origins and also is actually just very good music.
1: Yeah, I did think. T- did you have to go through a process? Like, was there a time when you were like, no, I can't, I can't listen to Eiffel 65? And you got through that? and You're like, oh god, actually, yeah. Never in my life. And I've always, I've
2: always found the idea the phrase the idea of the phrase guilty pleasures very difficult to understand i've never really had anything like that and it it, 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 i feel like people often use me and my music as as some kind of like channel to to Mm -hmm. to sort of like indulge in all of their guilty pleasures because i seem to be some sort of bastion (laughs) of not giving a fuck about guilt being completely guiltless and it all just being pleasures in that sense but the thing is
0: uh sorry uh, in UK is quite hermetic when it comes to listening to sounds from outside of the UK because it is responsible the music the, U, U, the United Kingdom music industry is responsible for so many genres post punk indie mm, electronica UK garage etc etc and the only European country that kind of wo- managed to import or export their their local stuff was the Dutch or the Belgian mm-hmm. with uh 90s hardcore. Mm-hmm. How did you come across Spanish Machina? Well, well, there's already
2: there's a type of music known as Machina in the UK already, in in the north of England, in Newcastle, in Wigan. It, it, there's there's a tradition that is known as Machina, and it's because of these sort of this relationship, and they call it Machina in some areas <laughs> as well. And there's um, and it's because of this sort of like ongoing flow of like sort of. Trade and tourism—that's always been happened, very historic between the UK and Spain. That I think that this sort of like this this sort of cultural exchange happened. But in the UK, when you refer to Macina music, it actually refers to music that's at sort of like at 180 BPM minimum with a northern man rapping incredibly fast over the top of it, usually with some kind of euphoric vocalist in the background, and it's fucking sick. And nobody knows about it, and it's so good. I recommend like, yeah, Jason Brown, MC Corky, incredible rappers all around. And yeah, and uh, it's, it, it, it's already a thing there. So that's actually probably where I found heard that word first. And then sort of just doing research, I found out about its origins and then realized where all this electronic music was probably coming from. But yeah, no, so it's sort of, it's kind of like already had a sort of interesting presence in the UK in a sort of like
1: oddly translated way. Uh, those kind of clubs, like the kind of hardcore clubs in the UK, I find are quite sort of closed off and into their own thing. Has your has hardcore been played in those kind of clubs? Have you seen it? Have you DJed there?
2: No, it's sort of like occupied its own space for the time being. I'm always interested in expanding it into these new in, into these new areas, but. Initially, I was very interested in it sort of like establishing its own culture first. I've always been very open about all my influences and in every interview I've talked about like the main influence on the project, which is this Glaswegian DJ called Scott Brown, who is just an absolute genius. Like it's very openly influenced by this kind of music, but its origins are actually in these club nights that I set up in like, different areas of the UK and then in New York and L.A., like where we just played the music that I wanted to listen to, which was basically not being played anywhere else in those kind of areas. Um, And so it sort of developed its own culture. And then and then I found myself writing music for these club nights. And it's like it happened very organically, like a lot of uh, like nightclubs develop their own music. Like the New Monkey is actually where a lot of Mackina music comes from Um, and Wigan Pier. The Hacienda Club, like a lot of, uh, and, and Bacalao, which is obviously a series of clubs. It's like often a style of music gets associated with certain places and sort of this night began to be associated with this music that you could only hear if you went there. And so then I realized that it kind of had to come out as an album. It was the music of the, of Club Halcore was, was the idea. And then sort of like this immense concept started sort of building itself in front of me. And I realized that was the only true way to present it because... I don't actually think that just like, lots of types of rave music are very satisfying when they're just uploaded online. It's just the wrong context for them, I think. And I sort of wanted to present present the context, like give people the context for it, like in in the listening experience, in the visual, in the video, to sort of give it a sense of place. Um, So the sort of like multi-room club of the mind was kind of the natural conclusion from that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you've been spending some time in Barcelona. I managed to see you at Bus Raza. Shout out to the, the Guillem and uh, Pablo. And uh, you've made an incredible kind of collaboration with someone who is part of Spanish Machina history, which is DJ Pastis. Pastis! DJ <laughs> <CJ laughs> Pastis! I mean, how did that? How did that happen? You know, I mean, DJ Pastis is like sixty years old now, or I don't know what his age is, but you know, he was around when I was still doing my. He's one of those people
2: that could be thirty or ninety or sixty. Exactly, he's a legend. He's a living
0: legend. How did that collo- friendship come to exist? And and you know, was it you? We who- were set
2: up. It's sort of uh, my the hardcore project inspired uh, my friend Pow, who who does a lot of this sort of thing at Primavera, and it, it was him who put us together. He put us in the same room. I can't speak Spanish. He can't speak English. But he was just playing me records, and we were just literally like miming like how we were <laughs> feeling during the <laughs> records. And he was going like. <laughs> like, like goosebumps on his arms and and then, and then we were like when there was sort of <laughs> these like violins were playing and he was just going like, we was just like miming the instruments <laughs> to each other and then like I just started making music on the computer whilst he was just playing me like records just sort of like at, to sort of like add to that world and then I was just thinking like it, Pastis is obviously very famous for like being on the mic during his sets like he's he's one of the most fearless dJs I've ever seen because he's so, he's just very prepared to just turn the music down and just like S- just sc- scream or talk just directly with the audience with like no music playing like very few DJs have that kind of like like that sort of that power to be able to like not hide behind music his personality is actually bigger than the music that he's playing like yeah there's, there's it's, it, that's a rare quality I think and also to have three synced turntables at the same time, DJing with his foot and nose whilst screaming at the audience. That was quite something to see the other night in NHTSA. On vinyl. Yep. On, vinyl, on of course, vinyl, of course, on vinyl. Yeah, yeah, but yes.
0: obviously it, his story is never separated from Buenri. It was always Pastis, Pastis and, Buenri. and Buenri. How come Buenri wasn't part of this get together that you've yes, been orchestrating? A, a
2: big chance that Buenri might be involved in the future. Like a ah, big okay, fan of okay. Okay. Exclusive. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: News. okay we have an exclusive <laughs> no, that I wasn't an exclusive <laughs> it was just an
2: idea How <laughs>
1: should we ever listen to a little bit of music quickly okay
3: so i was there the other night with dj Pastis oh, and nice. i saw the nose thing and the shoe thing with the vinyls yeah. but one thing that caught my eye and other people um, who were there too. At the it's, Apollo. Yeah. Uh, Pizza. It's the, the, the scene that, that was happening because not only is like you, there's something in time shifted from thinking that Musica Machina was only for young people who had no future and had nothing else to do. And now it's something for everybody and, uh, mm. and we all enjoy it. But it's also something that it's not associated with um, toxic masculinity Mm. and very violent guys (laughs) but there was kind of a kind of a the you thought of hardcore and and you think of very violent guys in festivals and they are all like Mm. very extreme but when you listen when i listen to your music and when i went to apollo there was nothing of that Mm. and i don't know what What's the difference? And a friend of mine wrote a, uh, an article talking about the night, and she said and um, the night was for the girls and the gays, mm. and it was for the girls and the mm. gays. Like, all all the audience was... Uh, it's not the, the same thing, and I... No, It's like know.
0: hardcore and hyperpop is a safe space yes. for everyone, mm. yeah, shall so we yeah, say. Yeah. Yeah, and
3: yeah. I, I don't know when you were doing the album, you had that in mind, or it came naturally, or what do you think it allowed for everyone to feel so attracted to it and, and not a specific type of audience that maybe you wouldn't want to... Yeah,
2: no, well, it, it, okay, cool. so I I absolutely love that that has been a cultural <laughs> impact of my music. Yeah, it is. I, I wish it was my intention for it, <laughs> but all I'm making is the music that I want to listen to, in all honesty. <laughs> like, that is, like, to, to 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 know that I've contributed to something like that is very important and, like, Incredible to hear. It's like, yeah, th- all I. But all in the end, at the end, all all I can make is what I want to listen to, which has been a problem. At, uh, there's been pros and cons throughout my career of just being able to make music I want to hear, but that is definitely like one of the be- one of the best things about it. Um, yeah, no, it, it's it's an interesting one though because yeah, hardcore music, especially in the UK, not especially in the UK, like Macina music as well. that. that is like in its original fan base this sort of very toxic masculinity but i definitely think and i know from talking to a lot of the original djs and and people who were involved in the scene that there is like a secret very like feminine core at the heart of that toxic masculinity so the reason why like all this early hardcore attracted these kind of like very like men who wanted to prove how like like big and strong they were um it, it, is it, it, because it always had this like very beautiful like female vocal at the centre of it, but because it was like almost encased in this very aggressive kick drum and these very aggressive mm-hmm. chords, it, it provided a weird like safe space for toxic masculinity like for these toxic males to feel emotions it like was their only time to feel emotions and basically what I've done is like taken that emotion and like made that the main thing and like allowed everybody to like feel that emotion I've sort of exploded that side of it and sort of because it's been so long since that original scene appeared, it's just uh, it's just appealing to people who like that emotional center of the mm-hmm. whole thing. There's not that cultural baggage. There's not that same sort of culture associated. Although, yeah, in certain cities, when I was playing hardcore during the European tour, I was told if you book like certain DJs, you will get this old tradition of hardcore fans and they will come and they will destroy your night. So I was just like, fucking hell. Okay. So I did I did come up against it at some point, but then I was just very strategic in terms of who I booked for that night. It was, uh, yeah, I've, I've never actually like had a clash between the the, the old and the new cultures. Yeah. Of, like the sort of like basically rave revival and the original rave crowd in that sense. Like it's, it's, it's always been quite a sort of easy distinction up to this point
3: so you were aware of it like when booking like the the people you were you know like you were different you were doing something different because you know your audience was not that so yes
2: exactly yeah yeah yeah. it was in amsterdam that one (laughs) and they were like yeah if you book this dj you will get skinheads at your gig and i was just like sheesh yeah yeah not my scene
1: (laughs) How's it going to cross in other places? Like, because in Spain, I know they have got like Macarena and Amsterdam, so they got like massive kind of hardcore scene. Have you found something like that in most countries, or do you ever go to a place and like, what the hell are you doing? Mm, mm, mm.
2: Um, there's always a community that likes it, <laughs> but some places like Spain have a lot of music that where that, that were very closely related to the influences of this music. So there's like a sort of like real understanding of the sort of heart of the project. Um, like there was, and there were certain songs that went global that everybody sort of related to. So, so in some places they will just know it based on a few songs that sort of went sort of viral globally. But like, I feel like I, I do feel that like there was a relationship between my music and and the music of Spain. <laughs> it, 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 it's how, Spain's controversial thing to say, but like, this sort of like this region, and it's like it, because there's always a sort of melodic center to it. If, even if you look at like where like the, the way. Machina music works as opposed to like hard dance from other countries. There's always a melody at the heart of it. There's always a melody like on top of the beat. Whereas if you look at music from Germany, from Holland and the UK, they're, they're kind of like hardcore rave music. There wasn't as much emphasis on the melody until like the early 2000s. The, the, but, but if you look at sort of Mackinac music from the early 90s, there's, there's this like, there's always a sort of emphasis and a love of melody at the heart of it. And that is what that's what I think my sort of like key kind of like relationship with it is, I think, because I love melodies and chords and basically like feeling emotions
1: at the end of the day. <laughs> You've obviously done a lot of songwriting and production for big pop artists. Do you think you might get to a stage where like a big pop artist is asking you to do a hardcore type thing? Uh,
2: that has already happened, yeah. It's XCX. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, well, the thing is, I only work with people who like my music already. So it's like, it, it, they usually know about what I'm doing. They say like, can you put like a kind of hardcore thing on top of this, that kind of thing. It, 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 it already happens. Like, I, don't, I can't work very well with people who don't know about my music already. I don't, and I can't DJ very well to people who don't know about my music. This is, and this is the fault. Yeah, I'm. I'm sure you know. There's a few people who might have been to some of these gigs where I was just like one of these bookings on a, at a big club or something like that. I've usually like cleared the floor at these <laughs> nights, like if, if because I only play what I want to listen to. I'm not able to be like, like I was very lucky. I played a night once in um, Brussels that where it was just like uh, it was a kind of like Berghain style situation in that room it was like a a sort of like very serious techno atmosphere and I I think I opened with I think I opened with like fly on the wings of love just like fly (laughs) on the wings of love (laughs) yes and (laughs) beautiful beautiful and and uh, just just to like establish like this is the vibe now i'm sorry like this is what i'm gonna do and luckily like the tone changed and everyone just became like incredibly like euphoric from being like very serious techno that was a big surprise to me so uh, luckily i kept the mood of the club but by doing that kind of thing I've, i've cleared as many dance floors as i've filled because it's just like yeah this is this is all i can do i can only do this one thing and that's what i want to hear
0: well, Danny, you're a classically trained musician, you know, and you come from a family of, 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 of people who, who know how to play instruments and stuff. But you have said that you're more interested in using electronics to develop your language in the future. But surely, th- do you ever feel the, the sort of thought of taking the hardcore concept with a kind of live setting of having more musicians on stage? I'm personally really not into that. <laughs> I really
2: don't. I, I I always think these like when they have like uh uh. There's no offense to any of my friends that have done this, but when they have like this like. Uh, this artist with an orchestra I just think it's just a worse version of the original songs it's like this reverence for orchestras we have like if it wasn't regarded as high art I'm not sure people would actually listen to that stuff like a lot of these like original composers and stuff people associating with like high art if they were around now they would be writing for electronics because all of these composers have always written for the most modern instruments that are available I mean, no one ever uses instruments that are from no no one in the tradition pre-19th century wrote for instruments that are 150 years old we have a sort of very Unique, strange, reflective, nostalgic culture that holds classical music in this very like reverent status. It's but it's just simply like not. It's it, it's just a, like a strange form of nostalgia, which can be like like fun to wallow in, but it's not actually like a s- proper like as far as I'm concerned serious way to like consume music. I see it all as on the same plane. I see the instrumental section as hamster, of hamster dance, and the same place that I see Beethoven's Fourth Symphony. It's all the
1: same. I think we should put another song. Yeah. I think they're they're dying for another song. Is right, my rucksack somewhere?
2: Uh, right. Sorry.
3: Um. I I kind of have like a weird question, and I don't really know how to ask it because maybe it's it just doesn't make sense. But um, would you consider yourself? Mainstream or potentially mainstream, and I'm gonna like give you a little pretext of what I'm trying to ask you because I've obviously um, hardcore, but also your background in PC yeah, yeah. music and uh, uh, everything about it, hyperpop, everything is kind of intrinsically um, underground. So it's it's not mainstream. The obvious answer would be no. It's kind of underground. That's the the fun of it. That's mm. that's the, the the core of it. Mm. But I feel like, as I've been saying this whole episode, there has been kind of a shift and everyone is maybe a little bit more unhinged than we were before. Mm. And and we are all listening to these uh, artists that, like you, but also Caroline, Sega mm. Bodega, mm. All, all the people that were in the Twitter picture that we all saw. Um, in the oh, yeah. Charlie <laughs> XCX party or I don't know who it was but I, I think it was Sega who tweeted like um, a big day for annoying people yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm annoying people yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like we all feel special because we um, love you um, but, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but wow. at
3: the same time if we all feel special for listening to Underground mm. if we are all listening to it it's mainstream now mm. so Daniel Hall is mainstream.
2: Hmm. Daniel Hall is mm-hmm. mainstream. I <laughs> fucking wish I was mainstream. I think... I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you have to make. That's the... the funny thing. Everyone talks about like hyperpop, or whatever. Like y- using the word pop all the time, saying that certain artists like are making pop music. I don't think people realize the word pop stands for popular. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's like surely, like or, I mean, obviously, that's been kind of lost in the in the sort of etymology yeah, of the whole yeah, thing. Totally. But like, that's very much like. Right, pop music isn't really a genre. It's just whatever's popular. Like, always mm-hmm. by definition. And, it like, if there's anything that defines pop music, to me it's, like, clarity of, of, of gesture. Nothing else really has, like, been the prevalent thing in terms of, of, of genre, in, ter- in terms of pop music. Apart from, like, an, a, that pendulum pendulum mm. shift between, like, yeah. people wanting stuff that sounds like fantasy and people wanting stuff that sounds like reality.
3: But in this, in this pendulum that yeah. in my he- head all is the the timeline of history. Mm. I feel we're in the Baroque era, mm. like mm. in the extreme of the pendulum. Yeah. So it makes sense that you, Pink Panthers, yeah, um, yeah, all these people that maybe wouldn't be like the normal mainstream or the normal. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, this should I be camera. being filmed right now. I'm maybe sorry, maybe but this is just just like, like the real yeah, show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know yeah, yeah, this yeah. is There's a the radio but
0: look at him. But like, <laughs> look at, our cameraman is like basically <laughs> next to some kind of. Tropical island cataract, <laughs> yeah. like the Niagara Fall.
2: <laughs> this is amazing. It's like being at a, like, a museum or something. This is what it was like oh in 2021 God. trying to film a radio show. Oh
0: God! Somebody filmed this
3: live.
0: <laughs> don't lose the don't lose the trail. Yes, Mark. Um,
3: yes, I feel we're like it's yeah professionalism. Um, okay, so yeah, pop yeah, we're music. we're kind of in a baroque era in which yeah, yeah. it makes sense that. And also the popular meme pages on Instagram. I don't know if you follow them. Like, on a downward spiral, um, Go word. I don't know. All these like weird images, mm, affirmations, mm, and mm. it's a big flashy image. Mm, with mm. I'm feeling mentally stable today. Mm. And when you see this meme, and you're listening to um, Arca or mm, You mm, or mm, Pink mm, Panthers, mm, I feel like. We're all doing that. It's not just, oh, underground people who know a lot. It's that, no, we're all a little bit crazy. So now you're mainstream. Now mainstream is underground. Do you understand? Or I'm just crazy. Okay.
2: (laughs) So, like, I think in the community, like, in the community you're talking about, that is true. But in terms of, like, the way that the actual demographic of actual pop music, it's pretty much the same as it's always yeah. been, dare I say. Yeah, maybe and I'm biased. Yeah, like it, f- it can feel like this, like in this community of like that photograph you saw the, the Great Day for Annoying yeah, yeah. People one, like it can feel like that's the entire world for some people, especially if you're on social media yeah. a lot. But in fact, I'm, I'm sorry to say it, it's not it's <laughs> and not so. there's a big world of pop music out there that I find absolutely fascinating, I have to say, and and, can, and am obsessed with. There's like always, like, if you look at like what is selling out the stadiums in your country, it's not the things that you think are the biggest pop acts. It's like other stuff. There's, like, there's whole other sort of like mm-hmm. bubbles of culture yeah. going on all the time. It's a very complex world we live in. So it's, like, it's, it's hard for me to say if I mainstream or not. I actually don't think that this, that this idea of underground and mainstream really exists anymore. Because basically what happens is someone like Pink Pantherist comes through. It's presented as, under, it's like underground passing. When in fact it's but like it's not. it's not really and also like the idea of selling out isn't really a thing anymore because there's this sort of like uh, everybody's sort of like sold out to the idea of it being like just kind of like basically the only way of like functioning as a musician so it's just like it's the the, the values surrounding the idea of uh, the values and capacity to exist as an underground artist are, are so hard to cultivate these days with the internet even if like hypothetically there was an artist that didn't do any social media if anybody found out about that, there would be like ten major label A and R's at that gig just to like try and like commodify that no social mm-hmm. media person as soon as it happened because they would understand that there's nothing more attractive than that. So it's just like it, we do not exist in this era of underground, overground, wobbling yeah. free.
3: It's just yeah. different bubbles. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's yeah. You're you totally correct. Yeah, it's just I live in my babbles. I'm an egomaniac, so. I mean, I think, aren't we all? You know yeah, I mean?
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah. I want to ask you. seem to be someone who understands pop music, who's a big interest in pop music. What big acts are there that you just don't get? There must be a few. You're just like I don't understand why this band is so big. Uh, no, I understand everything. Very good. <laughs> I mean, I don't get. I don't. I, th- th- there must be one. Come on, like Red yeah. Chili Peppers. Do you get? Yeah, I love you? them.
2: Really? My first ever bass line I learned was Give It Away. That's fucking sick. The boo Come on,
0: it's sick. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bass man, I slap the bass. You slap the bass. Yes, I certainly
0: do. That's true. You yeah, yeah, yeah. studied you studied classical bass. Oh, look at this. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, fact... did.
2: No, I had to because I had to do it as my classical uh, as my uh, entrance exam to study classical music. I played uh, like Bach's cello suites on the bass guitar. And
0: you still kind of jam on your own. Oh yeah, to... I was
2: I was at uh, the Roundhouse with Caroline the other day in, in London uh, playing bass along to uh, Look at Me Now, the Caroline song. That was a lot of fun. That was crazy. So... Everyone just sings along. All of Caroline Polachek's audience are all so like. Precise with the way they sing along. It's very, it's very unique. But it means that there are people I know who are at that gig where it was just like I couldn't hear any of the s- songs because everybody was everybody. singing
0: exactly in time with Caroline and in pitch <laughs> exactly. <laughs> What's happening with Caroline? What is her next solo album gonna be? Close? Are you gonna be very much present on her future release? I mean, we're, do- we're writing a, a a very large amount of music together, and it's all really good. And has some of that been written in Barcelona? Because I know you've been hanging out together here. Yeah, in no, Sega. actually, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, yeah, some of it was written here. Uh, the majority was written in my studio in London. But, yeah, no, we did a lot of work in Barcelona. That was a very fun time, actually.
0: Yeah. And you had Sega Bodega around because he used yeah, to live yeah, here? Yeah, yeah, his
2: fucking computer exploded.
0: <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did but, you... I mean, that's his fault. You're, you're almost like a Barcelona resident. What what places do you like in Barcelona? Uh, Nizza make... now. obviously. Oh, <laughs> <yes. laughs> What about the, the bars? I the went streets. to a few
2: record shops actually because, like, just, just to like find out a bit more about Mackinac music that I really, really like. That, there's that massive c- uh, cemetery just outside Barcelona as well. I really, really like that place because it's very, uh, very my lord, which is an aesthetic that I appreciate.
3: Imagine going to the cemetery and finding Danielle Harl just, <laughs> just going around. <laughs>
0: But tell us about, hype. like, hyperpop is still something that boomers like me are like, when we try and explain people our age, it's like, what is hyperpop? Well, are you familiar with Warp Records? Are you familiar with FX Twin? But are you familiar with MTV? Are you familiar <laughs> with Mariah Carey? Are you familiar with ARCA? etc., cetera, et cetera. How important has Hudson Mohawk and Rusty and Kashmir Cat been? For the development of the genre known as hyperpop. Um, in your opinion?
2: I am not the person to ask about that. I, I literally don't know anything about hyperpop to be honest. It's a thing that sort of like de- developed after like like I was involved in like the PC music scene, obviously. Like that the founding member with AG, like we were writing a lot of stuff. Hyperpop seemed to like sort of like just sort of grow as a sort of like thing like. Not, not as a direct... I, I, I literally don't even know enough to, about it to even comment on how it was formed. But I, but I just honestly just don't know anything about it. I, like, it's, it, it, it. It's great that it's a thing, and I love to hear that anything I've done has sort of influenced anybody. But I, I have to say, in, term, in response to what you said, Arca, uh, Sorry, Hudson Mohawk and Rusty are the true like godfathers of so much electronic music we hear these days and it's just yeah and it's interesting yeah they they they, they, they deserve a lot of championing definitely
3: you said caroline is and you work with her and you've been doing a lot of producing this year but have you been doing something for like for your own yeah like...
2: i've been mainly writing for my own project
3: so is there some new project coming soon? Yes. Or is it, well, I don't ready? know
2: about soon, but I've been writing like my own stuff for so long, like all the whole time I've been writing. I've just been just been waiting till it's right, basically.
3: So can we expect as fans something soon or it's just a, a project you're writing in like you're in the era of inspiration and just writing? I don't know.
0: I'll, I'll release it when it's ready. I, I can't. Okay. I can't tell you that. Because one of the things that's amazing about you and A.G. And Cook is like how, like, no nonsense. It's like, look, just put it out and stuff and, and, and it makes sense once it's out. Um, yeah, 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 but it has to be the right time. Because, like,
2: if it's not, cause if, you're really, if it's pop music, then there's loads of other factors involved in, in terms of the, the way it gets released. Because it has to be released in terms of, like, other stuff being released, But if it's not pop music, if it's stuff that's just like a project of your own that is music that you like, just that you just like legitimately just want to hear out in the world, it has to be exactly right, and like that takes as long as it takes. And so, like, yeah, so I've just been working on this stuff for a long time now. But like, yeah, it's 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 quite something I have to say.
3: But you put out something quite recently with today. Basically, you um collabed with Luling. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, and and it came out today. So it's kind of I feel like you have this deep connection, or maybe it's just the egomaniac in me again. But you have this deep connection yeah. with Spain because it's not only DJ Pastis, but also Luli, who is also not an icon yet, but she's obviously going to be an icon soon. And and you remixed um, <laughs> the song of the summer, which is fun and and. How that this came summer. up? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. No, no, that was that was just a. I, I'm a big fan of doing remixes. One of my original inspirations was Hudson Mohawk's remixes of other stuff, and the way he was so free with genre and basically just had the took the liability to. Um, Just like he he was just going to like some piano house and then just have like a really shit sounding MIDI saxophone playing like an amazing riff and just like, and then just turn it into just like, just like nonsense, just like, just arpeggios for a bit. Hmm. Just that total freedom, not total freedom, the DJ, but the the, the freedom in Hudson Mohawk's approach to remixing just really made me realize that sort of remixes are a a fantastic place to just explore things. Mm -hmm. And I'm very lucky now in that I can... I have this freedom I've had so many of my remixes rejected now it's like a, it's almost like I have to put in a clause now saying like you have to accept this remix if I send it to you now because it's just like because often this is an, a big problem with the music industry A&Rs and managers have an idea of what the song sounds like when they ask you to do it and they don't tell you that and then when it doesn't sound like what they think it's going to sound like they're like oh wait 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 a minute so it's just like now, nowadays, I, I have, uh, people expect something like bonkers, sometimes, sometimes very straight ahead from me. But, like, yeah, if one listens to all my remixes, you'll hear a lot of different stuff. Like, one of my favorite ever remixes is one, is, is a very obscure one that's quite hard to find. And it was for uh, Chris or Christine of the Queens. Um, and it was an early, an early song called Tilted. It's a very early, early on one, and uh, and I, I think uh, I th- and I think Christine was actually into it at the time, but the management were like, uh, "I'm not sure about this," because it was just really like dry arpeggios. It kind of sounded like uh, one of my favorite pieces of all time, which is uh, Einstein on the Beach by Philip Glass, and it was kind mm. of inspired by that. And um, uh, it, 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 I was just used to basically everything I did being rejected at, at, at that point. So. Uh, th- I, but I've, it's never really like concerned me. At that point, it was like a financial concern. But uh, <laughs> but um, but like aesthetically, it, 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 I've always only been able to do this this one thing, and that's what I've always just stuck
0: to. Well, thank you so much, Danny L. Carl for being our main guest here on the weekly review broadcasting in this or taping from the Benny Dorms, Robin Hood Magic Camp and uh, with this apocalyptic rain it's like we feel like we're part of the immersive experience of being in the hardcore multiverse Ooh. and tonight we are going to go hardcore thank you so much this was the weekly review thank you. good evening